Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10 of season two of the Runner Rams podcast. As always, I'm Gavin Bishow. And I'm Colin Struckman. And today we're going over rounds, tough loss on the road to Davidson, and we will preview their upcoming games this week in A-10 play against St. Joe's and on the road at UMass. We'll take a look around the A-10 as games are starting back up after a lot of COVID cancellations and postponements are being played and teams are getting back in action. And we'll get to our weekly picks as the race there tightens up in the records. We got a lot to get into, so let's get into it. Karan Iverson clears it. Iverson gets away from the defense, dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer sound. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. With four. Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it. Oda has won it for Rhode Island. Seconds left to the corner. Shot for three by Stan. Terrell down to eight seconds. Gonna go right. In traffic, off balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell! And for the first time since 2009, it's Rhode Island over Providence with the Ocean State Band. Oh, wow. Terrell from outside. First, before we start, just want to shout out our social medias for this podcast. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Vernon Rams Pod, and on Instagram, it's at Vernon.Rams.Pod. So check those out. Give us a follow there and support us on those as well as here on the podcast. So, Colin, the Rams' lone game of the week. They took on the Wildcats in Davidson, North Carolina. We said that Davidson is probably the best team in the A-10 right now. You or I played really well, but just not good enough to take down the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, this was this was a really tight game. You know, I, I think we we hoped it would it would be a game that kind of came down to the wire and proved URI's toughness throughout the year. I mean, it, it's a heartbreaking loss considering how well they played against, you know, what, what we believe right now to be the best team in the conference. I think that's still up for debate. But from what we've seen so far, Davidson is, is definitely at the top. And I, I think this game really showed that you or I can hang with any team in the conference if, if they can play like they did in this game, minus the last five minutes, which kind of, you know, ended up being their demise in this game. Yeah, quick rundown of the game. The Rams shot out to a quick 13-6, seven-point lead. That was followed by a few Davidson baskets, and, you know, we knew we were in for a barn burner in this one. The two teams traded punches in the first half down in Davidson, North Carolina, where there were 11 lead changes just in the first half but after 20 minutes. The game was knotted up at 35. The Rams played tough in the second half, garnering multiple six-point leads, but it was clutch shooting from the Wildcats to pull them back in and a crazy Michael Jones runner to give the Wildcats a 69-60 advantage with 44 seconds left. And after a questionable no-call on an Ishmael Leggett running jumper and a technical foul by Mikel Mitchell, the game was sealed as Davidson thwarted the upset-minded Rams 72-68. to 68. The Rams were led by Mikel Mitchell, who scored 19 points, while Shepard added 17 points. And off the bench, Antoine Walker shot 3-for-3 three three from downtown, netting 13 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. For the Wildcats, 4 out of 5 starters scored double figures, including 19 points from Foster Lawyer, despite going 3-for-8 from the field. He shot 11-for-12 from the charity strike. Luka Brekovic had a solid performance with 17 points and 8 rebounds, while Hung Jung Lee finished with 16 
points, Colin. And I totally agree with you uh, with the great 35 minutes. But the last five minutes were not good enough to beat the best team in the conference on the road. I mean, I'll admit this was the most complete game you've probably seen out of the Rams all year. But it shows how consistent they need to play to beat a team like Davidson. But that loss, I mean, definitely gave Ram fans hope. And I tweeted this out on the Running Ram podcast account. Again, at Running Rams pod on Twitter. Give that a follow. But I tweeted this out saying that it's been the M.O. of the Rams, not just for David Cox, but for Dan Hurley as well. Whenever this Rhode Island team has a single-digit lead with about five or so minutes to go, they just get tense. They don't play aggressive, and they try to hang on, right? And it's frustrating to a point where it's like, all right, we need to get stops, but our offense is doing nothing because we're playing so conservative. They're just trying to hang on to victories, and it's one of those things. If you ever play a sport, your coach always says, Finish through the line, right? Never stop before, never jog up early. Always finish through the line. And the Rams always seem to try to hang on and finish just short uh, of that finish line, which is a win on the road against Davidson. It looked like they played a lot more tense. They didn't play as loose and as aggressive they were, which got them those six-point leads in the second half. So I think that's been a problem the Rams have had, not only with David Cox, but with Dan Hurley as well, closing out games and playing aggressive. You know, I'd rather see this team play aggressive and lose by five, six points than trying to hang on and just playing tense and not completing a game and losing by a possession or two. So that's just my thought on it. With the Rams, uh, it's it, it just they, they try to hang on for dear life, and sometimes it works, and you go whew, move on to the next. But for the most part, you know, you see that those are the ones where you see the Rams drop. So that's definitely something they got to fix. Uh, the Rams, though, did an unbelievable job holding Davidson to only 25% from beyond the arc, six for 24, proving that they can, they can stop an unbelievable three point shooting team there. So good effort from the defense of the Rams there. I mean, they only committed 12 turnovers. Uh, which is very, uh, I mean, they only forced 10 turnovers uh, against Davidson, which is not bad because, you know, you have folks on the three-point attack and being less aggressive off screens and passes, but the offense only committed 12 turnovers, which I believe is one of the lowest, if not the lowest total all year long. So definitely stepped up in that department on offense. And I believe David Cox managed a very solid game, in my opinion. The only thing I would like to see is more of Antoine Walker. I mean, the conference leader and field goal percentage, Definite spark off the bench for the Rams in those final um, And he wasn't in those final minutes, but he got 26 minutes of play. And Malik Martin got 25 minutes of play, which is great for those two guys. As Cox says, you know, he has seven starters. So he got those seven guys a lot of minutes. And uh, one thing I would like to see is, you know, just Antoine in those final four, four or so minutes. He got put in with about, I think, a minute and a half left. But we'd like to see him there uh, under six minutes. But besides that, I think David Cox managed a very solid game. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely tough when you're going up against a Davidson team that has so many weapons. And defensively, I mean, it was a high-scoring game, but the fact that they limited Hung Jung Lee to 16 points is very impressive. He's one of the top scorers in the A-10. And for Rhode Island, I mean, it, it's frustrating how they can't seem to finish these games. I mean, it was not only this game, it was the Tulsa game, the FGCU game, where they were the better team, but when it came down to the wire, they couldn't find a way to get it done. I, I don't know if they were the better team in that Davidson game. I think they they hung with them in an evenly balanced game where it was kind of punch for punch on offense. And you can question the officiating all you want. You know, it was a little iffy, I think, toward the end. But what's more important is the Rams should have and could have closed this one out. And they, they didn't get enough production, it felt like. There, there's a lot of raw talent on this roster 
But I, and when you have guys go in foul trouble and you have the inconsistent guard play that they've had, it's tough to get that production up and down the lineup. And it, if, if it's more consistent, I think that, that definitely benefits the Rams. But you need to see everyone produce on a nightly basis. And, and you're having guys step up that, that don't normally, you know, fit that role or accustom to that role. I mean, we've seen Malik Martin's role elevate this year. We've seen Sebastian Thomas become kind of the dark horse of this team. So when you have those guys chipping in, but then you have Shepard struggle or Leggett struggle or LMN is kind of nowhere to be found as of late. That hurts this team. So I think you need those guys to step up. Yeah, I believe LMN, you know, we didn't really get much of him against um, against Davidson. But to go against your point there, I, I believe, and I don't know if you're talking about the last game, but I think Jeremy Shepard and Ishmael Leggett showed great leadership at the guard position against Davidson. Uh, Jeremy Shepard, Hit some couple key threes early to give Brown some uh, some energy, some spark, especially when they when they were up in that first half and then went down by about five points. They went on a little 7-0 run and even the game back up. He was clutching a couple layups and a three ball. So I think Jeremy Shepard did his job against Davidson. And I think Ishmael Leggett, you know, he goes four for 12 from the field. Not the best stat, but I mean, if you watch that game, it looked like he did better than four for 12. I mean, he was finding open shots, and sure, maybe they not maybe they didn't fall, but he got those old boards. He was tough down low, and he made some tough buckets when the Rams needed to. So I'm, I'm really impressed by the way those two played. And if those two can play like the way they did against Davidson, I mean, they're going to be a good team uh, looking forward into A-10 conference play because we know that you, you're going to have a big that's going to stand out, whether it's Walker, Mackay, or Mikel. One of those is going to have a solid game. Uh, if all three play bad, then you're in a bad spot, but – as of right now, we haven't seen a game like that. And if the guards can pick up their slack a little bit, I mean, and then, as you said, Malik Martin in an elevated role. I love him because not only does he give you the presence to score down low, but also just an absolutely terrific rebounder and great defender. So I feel like the Rams, if they can have some consistency, they can be a very, very dangerous team as A-10 play commences. So that will do it. For our preview of the Davidson game, that's the lone game of the week, as I mentioned before, for the Renowned Rams. So they start off the year 0-1. They're back to 9-4, but they do have two games, which I both think they're uh, very winnable for the Rams. First, they host St. Joe's, and after more than a month, the Rams are back in the Ryan Center, taking on the Hawks of St. Joe's tomorrow night, Wednesday evening. St. Joe's is led by third-year of, check that, fourth-year head coach, Billy Lange, uh, the former 76ers assistant brings his Hawks team. That can be dangerous at times. The Hawks enter Wednesday at 7-6 in 1-1 in Atlantic 10 play, holding a 27-point road victory over Richmond and a 15-point home loss to Davidson. It's kind of a tale of two stories for the Hawks. And their main score has got to be 6'8 guard Jordan Hall. He's averaging 16.5 points, 6.5 rebounds and six and a half assists. So he's like one of the best all around players in the conference. Other standouts include bigs, Taylor Funk, who's averaging 13 and a half points, 7.2 rebounds and a GK Obina, who's averaging 12 and a half points and 7.2 rebounds. He's the Vanderbilt transfer for the Hawks. And then another guy looked out for is freshman guard, Eric Reynolds. The second he's tallied nine and a half points a game for St. Joe's. I mean, this is a scrappy St. Joe's team. They're kind of flying under the radar right now in the A-10. I don't know if they're going to drop substantially in the standings, but 
They they blew out Richmond on the road. They beat a decent Temple team in the non-conference. I mean, it, it feels like whenever you or I and St. Joe's play, it, it gets a little weird. I know that's usually on the road, and this game is is at home at the Ryan Center, but I don't think this is a cakewalk by any means, and I, I think it it's, could still be a close game. Yeah, I mean, I definitely believe that this St. Joe's is pretty team is pretty bipolar. I mean, you look at look at what they got. I mean, you win by twenty seven on the road at Richmond. Like, wow, great. Kind of get blown out in, at home by Davidson. You, you, you stop Richmond to under sixty points, and then you let up eighty five or eighty eight to Davidson, which you know Davidson does that to a lot of people. They put up a lot of points, but this team has been very shaky. Uh, whether they play, they either come out of the you know gate playing really well or. They play sloppy, turn the ball over, and you know you're going to be in for you know a slot fest if you're with St. Joe's at that moment. So for my keys to victory, though, I think offense will be of the utmost importance on Wednesday night. I mean, this St. Joe's team is known for their stout defense and heavily relying on not only their man-to-man, but their zone defense that uh, Phil Martelli kind of left with the Hawks. Billy Lange, he switches between a man and you know a 3-2, 2-3, three, two, two, three, uh, a very uh, mobile zone he plays when he switches that in and it can get teams off guard but the Rams you know they have to shoot over 30% from three I guess uh, against St. Joe's you know in the games that they've lost they haven't shot well from the field because that's what a zone's going to do to beat a zone you got to be able to shoot the ball well you got to find the find the pockets find the shots try to force things down low because then they collapse on you if you can be able to shoot the ball well especially the three ball that will expand the zone maybe move them back to man and then you could run the offense you want there, uh, not to mention that St. Joe's forces the fifth least turnovers in the nation, only forcing nine turnovers a game. So they don't really go aggressive for steals. The Rams have a chance to hold on to the ball and get some extra shots. And so, again, offense is going to be a key uh, more not saying defense isn't, but more so offense on Wednesday night. And I think this St. Joe's team is also a very strong rebounding team. They're 53rd of the nation in total rebounds. So the Rody Bigs will have their work cut out for them down low and they need to step up on the glass. And for me, I mean, you mentioned how this team's kind of up and down, but they can score. So if you're you or I, definitely want to force steals and blocks on defense. They've been aggressive on defense for most of the year with the Mitchell Twins, who have played a lot better this year. I mean, the Hawks, they average 72 points per game. This is a way that you or I can kind of use, utilize that size and athleticism they have to their advantage. And then win the battle on the boards, I mean, they average 39.2 rebounds per game, just a few more than you or I. So they're a guard-heavy team, more of a guard-heavy team, but still Obena and Funk can dominate the glass. I think those are the probably two most important players for St. Joe's. And then stay out of foul trouble. I mean, you can't afford any limited minutes from the Mitchell Twins. We saw it in the last game with Makai. And then also Antoine Walker, because the Rams, they can run this team out of the building if they are able to dominate inside the paint. Yeah, totally agree with you there. So that game is a 7 p.m. tip tomorrow night, Wednesday evening at the Ryan Center. We'll see if the Hawk dies tomorrow night. I hope it does, you know. But we'll see that Hawk flapping its wings for 48, check that, an hour, two hours at the Ryan Center. Always a show uh, with the Hawk in attendance and the bad blood between the Rhode Island Rams and the St. Joe's Hawks always seems like a little bit of a scrappy game and kind of an old A-10 rivalry, kind of a little bit of a rivalry for the, for, uh, the Rams as we transition to their next game on Saturday late afternoon after the matchup with the Hawks. The Rams travel north to Amherst to take on 
conference rival UMass. The 7-7 Minutemen hold quality wins over Penn State, Rutgers, and Harvard, but have dropped their first two conference games to Richmond and Duquesne. Tonight, the Minutemen take on Davidson before their matchup with the Rams late Saturday afternoon. So check that out. See how the UMass Minutemen look against a very solid Davidson squad. Fourth-year head coach Matt McCall is definitely on the hot seat this year as he tries to get this UMass team into the weekend of the Atlantic 10 tournament. This UMass team is led by a trio of guards, including 5'11 junior Noah Fernandez, who leads the squad with 16 points and five assists. Boston College transfer Rich Kelly is averaging 13.5 points for the Minutemen. The Rams played against him in their loss to BC last year at Mohegan Sun. Albany transfer CJ Kelly is averaging 14 points and four rebounds not related to Rich Kelly. Other notables for the Minutemen are forward Trent Buttrick. He averages 11.5 points and five rebounds. And Pilgrim High School native out of Warwick, he went to Woodstock Academy. TJ Weeks, he's averaged eight points and four rebounds for the Minutemen. It feels like this team is the, the perfect definition of average. I mean, they, they have some great players, and they've had some some great wins this year as you mentioned, and they also beat UNC Greensboro. I mean, they've done well against good teams, but they lose against bad teams. There's no consistency with UMass. And after losing Trey Mitchell, it feels like McCall kind of lost the program a little bit. But they have a semi-decent team this year. And, and going to the Mullen Center always gets weird for URI. They, they always seem to struggle there. Even though URI is the better team on paper, this could still be a tough game. You're going up against a team that loves to score. They average 78 Point six points per game, but they struggled defensively as they allow about 78 points per game. So kind of up and down on both ends of the spectrum for, for UMass. So, I mean, it, it feels like defense is going to be huge in this game. Containing Noah Fernandez, he's the real threat for the Minutemen. And then I think just great guard play is needed for URI to win this game. We talked about it. Leggett and Shepard did play well in that last game, but we need to see it on a more consistent basis. And when you're going up against Fernandez, CJ Kelly, Rich Kelly, I mean, e- each averaging in double figures, you are needs production from from Shepard, Leggett, and Elliman. They can't afford for a no show from any of these guys in this game. Yeah, and the and the reason you could say that UMass is pretty average and they've had some good losses and some uh, good wins, bad losses, is they are consistent, but in the wrong ways. They're very consistent on offense. At scoring, they're very good at that, and they're very consistent at being bad on defense. Uh, we'll get into that in, in, in a bit, but I'm gonna start here with our my key to my keys to victory. I mean, just like Davidson, the Rams are taking on a top five team in three point percentage in the nation. Uh, as UMass shoots 40.2 percent from beyond the arc, the Rams must continue to squeeze the Minutemen off the three point line and contest and close out on shots at a high level, just like they did on Saturday afternoon against Davidson. Not only does UMass hit threes, but they score points at a pretty high clip, 47th in the nation. The Rams need to create turnovers, limit fouls on the defensive end to stop this Minutemen attack. So there's the good for UMass. Here's the bad. Luckily for the Rams, UMass you know, is a very poor defensive team as they rank in the bottom 30 teams nationally in points per game allowed, field goal percentage, and three-point percentage. So I believe the Rams match up pretty well with this Minutemen team. The Rams, they've struggled on offense at some points this year. Luckily, this UMass team has a pitiful defense as of the 14 games, or there will be 15 games after tonight. So hopefully that's not 
you know, something that we see on Saturday where the Rams offense lacks because, I mean, this is a UMass team that really, really has played pretty poor on defense. Uh, but hopefully the round Rams, you know, take down that offense. That's done pretty good for the minute, man. That's one of a couple big games against Rutgers. I think they scored 85 points in that one. So the Rams did it against Davidson. Hopefully they can repeat and do it against UMass on the defensive end. And, you know, just be consistent on offense. You know, there's been a lot of games at the Mullen Center where the Rams have found themselves in plenty of holes. I remember a couple of years ago when you or I went in that run in 2018 when they were regular season champions. I'm pretty sure they went down like 25 to 6 to start the game, came back, I think they won by double digits. But luckily they had E.C. Matthews and Jared Trell. I mean, they don't have them anymore. Not saying this team can't come back from that much, but. Down 19, you never want to find yourself in that hole. And last year was definitely a frustrating one at the Mullen Center. The Rams found themselves playing terrible basketball, down 15 with about eight minutes to go, and they battled back and made it to overtime. I think the game actually went into double overtime. They ended up losing, but that's because they found themselves in a 15-point hole late. So the Rams got to stay consistent on offense, and if they play three quarters as well on defense as they did against Davidson, they should find themselves in the wing column on Saturday evening basically it's a 4 30 start so kind of odd so yeah 4 30 start espn plus could be unnecessary for the new england viewers because that's what umass has their games on so that's the preview for the umass minutemen game as a10 play starts back up with only one team in quarantine or covid regulations that will be george mason is the only men's basketball team that has stopped right now we'll take a look around the a10 as we got back into play, we're going to start with this past Saturday. We had six games, I believe, as sadly we had one of our games canceled. As said last episode, we hope to have no games canceled. But the next day, St. Bonaventure and St. Louis was canceled. But let's see. January 8th, the Rams, of course, loss of Davidson by four. Duquesne defeat UMass by 478-74. Dayton went on the road to George Washington and took down the Colonials 83-58. VCU handled the sound on the road 85-66. And St. Louis did a solid mid-major makeup game. They squeezed that one against Rick Patino and the Iona Gales 68-67. Games tonight. As of right now, we have four scores in at halftime. Davidson is down by one to UMass at home 32-31, Dayton up 10 against St. Louis in the Arch Baron Cup, 36-26. BCU up 20 against George Washington, 42-22. And LaSalle up three at home against St. Bonaventure there. Those are the scores so far tonight as of recording. Tomorrow night, we have two games. You have URI St. Joe's, and then you have Duquesne traveling to Fordham. On Friday 10, on ESPN2, St. Bonaventure hosts VCU. And then at 9 p.m. on ESPNU, Richmond hosts Davidson. On Saturday, you have UMass, Rhode Island. Dayton goes on the road to take on Duquesne. St. Louis hosts Fordham. And next Monday, you have a pair of games in George Washington, hosting George Mason as they get back in action after their COVID uh, timeout. And then St. Joe's hosts LaSalle in a Philadelphia rivalry there. So let's look around the A-10. Without further ado, let's get right into our picks. Going into last week's results, great week for me. I went 4-1. and one. Colin, you went 2-3. and three, But let's look at the games here. LSU took down Kentucky by 5, so I'll take the victory. Colin took the loss. We'll both get a win on Iowa State, taking down Texas Tech by 4, 51-47. Wisconsin took down Iowa by 9, so we'll get, both get a victory there. 
will both take a loss in the Seton Hall UConn game as Seton Hall squeaked out a win over UConn by three in overtime. Surprise, Colin didn't take the Pirates there. He loves Willer there over there in New Jersey, but decided to you know join me in taking Dan Hurley. Tough one for the Huskies at um, at Seton Hall in overtime. And then the last one, Texas Tech upsetting Kansas by eight. I don't know how I had the feeling, but I called it. Kyle took the loss. I'll take the victory there. So we're both standing at 21 and 13. Oh, by the way, of course, St. Bonaventure, St. Louis was postponed, and Boise State, Colorado State was postponed. So we had two games postponed, but we're both standing at 21 and 13 this week. We'll definitely break that tie as we disagree on a couple picks here, but we'll start with an 8-10 game of the week, 9 p.m. Saturday night. Davidson on the road at Richmond. Colin, who's your pick? For this one, I'll go with Davidson. I think Richmond's just been a little too unpredictable this season. I, we, we you know witnessed firsthand how good Davidson is in that game against URI, so recency bias, but I, I still think Davidson is a much better team. They're just so good offensively, defensively. They're a much more complete team. Give me the Wildcats. My mind's playing games with me here. I mean, I love Richmond at home, but last time they are at home, they lost by 27 to St. Joe's. So, I, I don't know. I just believe Davidson, you know, I know they're down one against UMass right now, but they're a team that always finds a way, and uh, on a nightly basis, they can drop 90 points on you, and I just can't bet against Davidson right now. Uh, they're a team that battles. They got tons of weapons and Bob McKillop at the helm. So I'm going to agree with you there and go with Davidson. Going to our top national games of the week, starting tonight uh, at 9 p.m., Auburn goes on the road to Alabama for not the Iron Bowl, but maybe some iron hoops between the Tigers and the Crimson Tide. Who do you have in this one, Colin? I'm going to go with Auburn, and my main reason is Jabari Smith. He is a stud for Auburn. Averages about 15 and a half points per game. He'll be an NBA stud someday. I mean, this Auburn team can score. Bruce Pearl, great coach. I mean, this offense is one of the best in the country, if not maybe the best. So I'll go with Auburn over Alabama. I agree with you there. Jabari Smith, heck of a ball player. And Auburn has just been rolling. They, you know, when, when you start up 18 to one against a team like LSU has dominated and is top 15 in the AP poll. You know, you have something special going on again, Bruce Pearl trying to get his team back to that elite eight for the second time in four years. So I believe, or check that final four for a second time in four years. So I believe they can do so if they keep playing like the way they are. I'm agreeing with you there. I think that Auburn, who is the underdogs going into Alabama is not only going to cover, but win tonight against the Crimson Tide. On Wednesday, got a pair of games starting in the Big East. Number 14, Villanova, heading to number 17, Xavier. These two teams squared off a couple weeks ago. Colin, who do you have in this one? I'm going to go with Villanova here. I know they're on the road, but, I mean, the, these tests are, are great for a Villanova team. Jay Wright, I mean, he, he's built for moments like these. So is Colin Gillespie. So I'll go with the, the tried and tested Wildcats here over Xavier. I'm going to go with the Musketeers here. They're playing solid basketball. The last time they played Villanova, they held a 10-point lead over them. Couldn't hang on. I think they lost that game by about eight points uh, at the Pavilion in Philadelphia. So, Xavier, they had their work cut out for them against Villanova, but I believe they're at home. They can take advantage and get the victory and split here with Villanova in the Big East. So, I'm going to go with Xavier there. On Wednesday, and then also on Wednesday at 7 p.m., number eight, Duke visits the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Okay. 
I'll go with Duke in this one. I know they just lost at home to Miami, kind of an upset, but that was a good Miami team that's kind of flying under the radar. I just don't see them losing again. So, I, I mean, I can't stand Duke, but I'll have to pick them here. You know, it's it's so tempting to pick Duke, but they're on the road against a Wake Forest team that has been playing pretty well as of late. And the reason why, Alondez Williams. He's averaging over 20 a game, six rebounds and five assists. He's doing it all. He had a double-double in Wake Forest's last victory. I don't know, but there's some magic down there in the South, and I believe Wake Forest is going to get the job done against a Duke team that is, you know, pretty consistent, but when they're not, they're pretty off. So I believe Wake Forest will get the job done and defeat Duke Blue Devils. On Thursday, number 16, Ohio State visits number 13, Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Wisconsin here. They, they just played really well. They beat Purdue. They played really well against Iowa. They commanded the game from start to finish. Ohio State's coming off a 16-point loss to Indiana on the road. I know it's tough to play uh, in Indiana. Uh, a classic, classic building. And always tough to win there. But Wisconsin's on a roll. Johnny Davis, National Player of the Year as the mo- as of right now. So I'm going to take the Badgers. Yeah, I'm agree with you there. I mean, Johnny Davis is an insane player. Uh, you know, he, he's Big Ten Player of the Year right, right now in my mind. He's, I mean, he is just really, he, I, don't, I wouldn't say he's carrying this team, but they would be lost without him. I mean, his value is substantial to this Wisconsin team. I think they would be pretty close to average if he wasn't there. He's playing that big of a role for the Badgers, so I think they get the win over the Buckeyes. And on Saturday, number 22, Tennessee takes on number 18, Kentucky in the checkerboard matchup. Personally, Tennessee, they, they trick me, if I'm being completely honest. You know, they come out, they play really good against the team, and then they play to the Texas Tech and they score 45 points and 10 points and a half. Right? This team, I don't have a lot of faith in them. I believe that they're they definitely can make a run in March Madness. They have the talent, they have the coaching in Rick Barnes, but I don't know. I think Tennessee coming off a tough loss against LSU. They played really well. They got Jacob Toppin, uh, of course, and then John Kyle Perry at home at the Rupp. I'm going to take Kentucky. I'm at the agree with you, too. I think Tennessee is just a little too up and down. I think we know a little bit more about Kentucky. They're at home Saturday afternoon. It feels perfect for, for the Wildcats to get a win, so I'll go with Kentucky as well. Our final pick, and it will be the mid-major game of the week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Furman goes on the road to take on Chattanooga. T- uh, Colin, who's your pick? I'm going to go with Furman. I actually, you know, I always kind of stake out my mid-major teams earlier in the year, and, and Furman might be like toward the top of my list right now. I, I'm in love with this team. I mean, they, they beat Louisville on the road in overtime earlier in the year. They also be, they actually almost beat Belmont. They lost them in overtime, but they've hung close as well with Winthrop. Beat Charleston, who we saw against URI, hung tough with North Carolina, hung tough with Mississippi State. They had some good conference wins. They beat Mercer. They beat UNC Greensboro. I love this Furman team. I think this is a great game. I think Chattanooga is also a great team, but something about Furman, I, I, I'm just starting to starting to like this team, so I can go with them here. Two things. 
they hung tough with a lot of teams. They have six losses. It doesn't seem like they can complete these. I don't know. I know. I know these are hard games, but to be touted as a high mid major, you got to be able to complete some games. So I'm going to go with the home Chattanooga team here against Furman. Also, at the beginning of the year, I bet Furman money line over Winthrop, and they did not win. So mess with my money. I don't mess with you. So I'm taking Chattanooga over uh, over Furman. So that's going to do it for our episode. The Rams. Trying to bounce back after a Davidson loss to take on UMass and St. Joe's starting tomorrow night at home. They host the Hawks of St. Joe's. And then, of course, another great, great slate of college basketball. I'm very intrigued that Wake Forest Duke came as well as Xavier Villanova. And then, of course, our mid-major game of the week is always something to look out for. So that's going to do it for our episode today. As always, stay safe. Roadie, roadie, roadie.